Blog Talk Radio. shout but i feel like shouting when the show starts what can i do what can i do anyway i hate people who say what can i do i know a lot of complainers what can i do i'll tell you what you can do shove it i don't like hearing that so i'm gonna cut this out this part out but let me get on with my intro okay the guest's gonna be late so i'm just delaying this is the delay tactic it's not working but that's what i'm doing okay it's december 9th 2015 it's a beautiful day here. <laughs> I got to buy some time. Anyway, look, I tend to think that business is business and friendship is friendship. And they are two different things. Because you know why? Your main goal in approaching a person for business is to make money by selling them something, right? And if you're laughing at all his jokes or her jokes and you're asking about their kids and remembering their birthdays, your motives are going to be suspect because it's reasonable to believe that you're just trying to manipulate them emotionally. Gifts. Gifts are also suspect. You might be happy, as happy as can be, that good old Susie is doing business with you, but giving her a gift at Christmas can easily be seen as a kickback or a bribe, and being all palsy with her, palsy, can easily be seen as being phony. Now, not everybody agrees with me. We had a guest on this show quite some time ago. He was great, a very successful recruiter, and he told us that he never leaves a client meeting without giving the client a hug, right? And apparently, when you do business this way, it's called an affective style. Affective, not effective. In psychology, emotions are called affects. So an affective business style just means that you like to build trust with your customers by appealing to their personal emotions. And the strictly business style that I prefer of building trust is called the cognitive style because you appeal to the mind, the mind. You show your credentials and past accomplishments to prove that you can do a good job. The article I just read was by a woman named Erin Meyer, and she says that the cognitive style is more American. And I have to say that it makes more sense to me. Someone who pretends to be your buddy to get you to sign a deal is not necessarily someone you should trust. Okay? But I'll tell you who can trust. I'll tell you who you can trust. It's the people you meet on Jerry. Jerry! What show is this? The Recruiting Animal here he tells me about a half an hour didn't even tell me left me a note on on my uh, facebook group that he won't be here today now i know he doesn't like talking about job ads and i've got the job ad king on today so that might be the reason or maybe he's busy you know fixing the barn but if you like jerry and you're just calling in to hear him he's not here so go home okay now, I got to do, before I bring on the guest, I have a, a public service announcement message, okay? It's from Pauline Rogers, our friend in Australia. She has given this show a mission. She has, believe it or not, she's in Australia and she's got a little kitten, a little kitty cat under a year old in Munich, Germany, that's looking for a home anywhere in Europe. He's got all the shots and documentation he needs to go anywhere. So if you want a little kitty, or you can tell us how to find someone who might want one, come on, tell me, at Animal on Twitter. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Now today's guest, 
is an old favorite. I don't there's anyone who's been on more than him except Jimmy Durbin, who also harks back to the good old days at Recruiting.com. Harry Joyner, are you here? Yeah, here I am, buddy. What's ready to rock and roll. You? What's wrong with you? You call me up mean? two seconds before the show comes on and says, is this the number? You call me in my uh, office and say, is this the number? Know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't sit around all day and, well, don't you know, give me like, that. I didn't, pre- I didn't prepare for the recruiting animal show. It's not like I've got an act or a rap, you know, that I've you've all, been on so many uh, times. You've been on so many times, okay? And you still don't know how, how to How many times have I been on? Shame on you. I don't know. I didn't count. It's like four, right? Oh, you're crazy. You're nuts. And you better be good Not today, that many okay? Or more. I'm, don't I'm, screw you know. around with me. Okay, you know we sing uh, I'm a song. Not gonna. We sing a song. What song do you want to <laughs> sing? Now, I, I got to tell everybody, this guy was a, a drummer in a punk rock band, okay? So you must know some songs. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that way, honestly. You, are, old, you know what? I had to get out of that business. There's an old, there's an old joke, right? What's the difference between a pizza and a drummer? Drummer can't feed a family of four. But I'm bummed. So I got out of that business. Okay, no, it's yeah. not a song. It's a joke. You know what? When I'm, I'm on the phone the with the guy. When I'm on the phone with this guy, he's drumming all the time. There's always in the background, boom, 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 boom. Now I got him on the show. Oh, I don't know any songs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, here I'll play. I'll play you a double stroke roll. Here's a double stroke roll. Go ahead. There's a five stroke roll. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Here's Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's get the stroke going. Okay, now Harry Joyner, his uh, company is ecommercejobs.com. On Twitter, he's ecommercejobs. Uh, and Harry, what do you think about hugging customers and stuff like that? Were you here in time to hear me talk about that? Uh, no, I was late. Okay. What did you say? You should hug your customers or something like that? Well, did, 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 you send Christmas like gifts? did you send Christmas gifts? No. Good. Okay, you're with me. Okay, you know what? I well, said you I know was... what? I actually, it's, hold, 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 hold on. I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing it. Actually, one year we did send uh, gifts. My wife picked them out, and they were an incredible hit. Um, I don't. They're probably still available. You can Google optimista pessimista glasses. Google that optimista pessimista glasses and they're like little wine glasses with it's like a glass is half empty glass is half full sort of italian theme and we sent out a little box of whatever four to six glasses and they, they were a huge hit okay so actually if they were so good why didn't you do it again i because i'm slack I'm not to be modeled in that area at all. Okay. You, Let's just move you kids on. You out there should I, definitely I, do that. On. You're Let's in a relationship on. business. Let's move on. Right. Let's move on. The show's going downhill, okay? Now, look, no, Jerry, Jerry doesn't like talking about job ads, but he's not here. So I was going to leave it all to right. the end of the show. I'm moving it up to the beginning, okay? Now, I read you, uh, you claim that your uh, success is based at the present time on your fantastic ability to write job ads. Yes or no? No, there's more to it than that. Okay, but you tell me all the time that this is a focal point of your business. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, so I'll I'll explain the premise of the business. So you're going to have to give me 30 seconds to just sort of get it all out there. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Fine. Okay, so I'm 51. I'm a baby boomer. I love to talk on the phone. My typical candidate for e-commerce is not a boomer. They're a millennial. And millennials view the phone as an interruption. They only want to talk on the phone when there's something really to talk about. So seeing this trend uh, and realizing that you can't recruit if all you get is a dial tone, what I started doing is putting the selling story right in the posting. And I would, I would text. We relaunched our site using responsive design, and I would text a link to the posting to the candidates. We've got 65,000 resumes in our database, uh, 64 something thousand cell phone numbers we find statistically speaking most people would sooner change their personal email address than their cell phone number so we have 
cell phone numbers, and I would text the posting to the candidate. They would read the posting, and if they were interested, they were click to call. So as a marketer and an entrepreneur, all I did was start selling to my target customer the way they buy. Uh, they don't want to take cold calls necessarily. Now, they'll call me back. I'm a nice guy. I don't bite. I'm engaging on a telephone. What you hear now is the way I recruit is very personable, but you – if you're recruiting A players, A players are busy people. They're head down trying to make their numbers. They want to be engaged with a really great job posting first. And if they think there's something to talk about, then they'll click to call. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anybody want to challenge them on that before I, you know, analyze one of these things? Okay. I went through some of your job postings. First of all, the tone is very conversational, just like you're talking now, right? Right? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, Num yeah. yeah. Number two point. You start off with a description of your company with more than 200 digital commerce searches each year. EcommerceRecruiter.com is the leading contingency-based executive search firm serving shop, uh, and then you say your market. Okay, so that's how you start off with a, a little short description of your company. Then you make a claim. And you keep doing this again and again. You make a claim that this is one of the coolest CPG jobs around. Okay? What should a recruiter do? I'm assuming you're going to say this is a cool job. What if you don't have a cool job? Can you go around saying this is the coolest job? I, I don't take jobs that aren't cool. Well, some recruiters are going to. What should they do? Well, okay, so... So there's here's the formula for, for copywriting, right? Uh, it's 12 steps. I actually have this on a little sheet in front of me. This is like the only preparation that I did for this, so, so I'll speak slowly. But I, ideally, th any direct response copy piece conforms to this. So a job posting is just a microcosm of that. So your, your first job is to get attention. Your second job, when you're selling widgets by direct response, is to identify a problem. The third thing is to provide a solution. The fourth thing okay, is to provide your credentials. No, no. Read them when they're relevant. Okay, so what's this thing I asked about? One of the coolest jobs. You don't want to answer that question. Just say, I'm not going to answer that. I don't, I don't. Okay. No, 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 I'm not ducking it. See, the thing is, I, our whole model is designed to get the phone to ring. So my attitude is that I'm running a media company with a contingency recruiting revenue model because that's where the money is. So our average invoice last year was in the tens of thousands of dollars. That doesn't make me a genius. It just makes me a stupid recruiter, right? That's Listen, what Harry, 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 oh, focus, whoa, 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 whoa. focus for a second. No, no, no. Whoa, 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 So the whole me, thing is designed okay? to get... The, yeah, the whole yeah, thing is designed yeah. no, no, to get the phone in. So your, we, your, we get no, 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 350 no, no, no. inbound listen, phone calls a year, and we take 200 of those deals. Well, you know what? Jerry's we not here. I didn't expect anyone that are going to talk over. We closed on the back of a single story. That's that's how the model works for us. So we, my attitude is getting your search on my site is like getting your product on QVC. So if you ever read a book on direct response copy, I would encourage anybody on this call to go buy a book by Eugene Schwartz or Bob Bly or whomever. The rule number one is you never write an ad for a bad product. So we, we have things that we look at to determine whether or not a search is going to be good, if it, whether it will be reputation enhancing for the candidate and by proxy reputation enhancing for us. So not everybody, not every caller cuts the mustard okay, on that. Okay. There are 150 well, deals we don't take I have a here. question. Can Go I ask ahead, a question? Kathy. Go ahead. Sure. Gosh, Animal, I haven't talked to you in like a year, and I put yeah. it on my calendar to make time today. Yeah. Don't are, are these ads for companies or ads to attract talent? Because if they're ads to attract talent, I would think you would want to focus in right away what's in it for them not whether it's a cool job. What's in it for your candidate? Let me run – Let me, uh, Kathy, I'll answer that by keep – I want to run through the, the ad. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. He's not going to answer the cool thing. Okay. So then he announces the name of the client. It's a contingent search. He doesn't – he's not retained. But he announces the name of the client. He tells everybody in the world right up front. Then he describes – this is interesting – the value of the product. In this case, it's helping pets – Pets, believe it or not, 
lose weight. Okay, and he explains it in detail. He goes into some shtick that says it's estimated that 52.7% of U.S. dogs and 57.9% of U.S. cats are overweight or obese based on the total number of dogs. Anyway, he goes on uh, about all the details about how many fat cats there are in the United States, and then he backs it up with, i got to admit, a compelling video. He inserts a video from YouTube showing fat dogs and cats. You feel sorry for those cats and dogs. You want to help them. I, I was surprised. He got me hooked. Okay. Then he describes the industry. He said, this is how he starts off. Whenever I write a job posting involving the pet industry, it's almost hard to know where to start. So much opportunity. So much fun. So many ways to make a ton of money, both online and off. Now, I can, I can, what, first thing that came to me, what if the industry isn't so exciting? What can another recruiter do? Because that's why you're on the show, not just to tell us what you do, but how can other recruiters uh, in some way replicate your success, your best practice? What if you're just placing a network administrator? I mean, you, can you say this is the coolest thing in the world? Uh, you're going to make a ton of money. It's the best industry, uh, I, 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 I don't know, in the universe. I don't know. I don't know how somebody else could write about that stuff. Do you want to comment or should yeah. I go on? Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, okay. I, I get it. So if I, had a, if I had a search that wasn't sexy, right, there's, there's four things you have to know about. So number one is you, you have to know something about the candidate and their future. Right? What do they want to do? Where do they want to go? How much money do they need? So, you, so all marketing starts with some idea of who the slam dunk customer is. So when you take a search, you should always have some idea who are you going to market this thing to. Number two, you have to know something about the company. Obviously, I mean, there's obviously right. So where they are today and where they're going to be in the future. You have to know something about the industry. Where's the industry today, and where's the industry likely to be in the future? There are certain industries that are buggy with industries, so I I tend not to take searches in those industries. Okay, so, so you're okay. So that's what you told us already. You only take things that you could rave about. That's your principle. I get it. But I'm going to finish off. I'm going to go on so people know. So then, after he tells us uh, about the uh, pet food industry, he tells us. This is interesting that the company's business is very focused on pet food. I imagine that you talk to somebody at the client who made a point of saying that, or it's in their marketing communication literature already. You know, you say Hills Pet Nutrition makes and markets cat and dog food, period. They don't make toys. They don't do leashes. They're tightly focused on their core mission of helping to enrich and lengthen the special relationship <laughs> between people and their pets. I would laugh my head off. I mean, it's true. Okay, but, you know, that's what you go. Now, there must be some other literature. I believe you copied that from somewhere. Am I right or wrong? Mm, it was sort of inspired by some of the client's information, but understand that Hills is a subsidiary of Colgate-Palmolive. So this is a big publicly traded CPG firm. So this is they're not crackpots in Topeka, Kansas. They're experts in pet nutrition. Okay, I'm going to rush through this now. Industry. I'm going to rush through this sure. now. You know, you didn't call they, in they here had excited. Some of that. You did not call in here excited to talk to me. I can tell. I can tell when you called me on the phone and said, is this a number I should be calling? I said, this guy doesn't want to <laughs> talk to me. I could tell when I sent you an email yesterday and you said, oh, it's tomorrow. I forgot. Okay, let me just finish this <laughs> off. So we're this far in. So he, then he tells us the history of the company at length. Then he tells us what yeah. their marketing channels are. Then he tells us about the number of veterinarians and PhDs on their staff. Then he gets to the job description. Then he has a call to action. He, after the job description, which is the conversational version of the job description, he asks the people to text him or, call, or, or to apply online. Then he provides, to my surprise, what seems to be a standard list of responsibilities and qualifications. What anybody else would post as the, as the job ad, he puts way, way, way down. So that's his format. I wanted people to know about it because he tells me 
that he told me in the past today he's got amnesia, but he told me that there's vice presidents of marketing who call their HR departments and say, how come we don't write ads like Harry does? Is that true, Harry? Yes, it's true. Okay. So, you know, today he's all modest about it, but he told me no. that this is, this is his cash cow. This is his money machine, these long ads. Okay? And then one of his other ads, I'll, I'm going to move off of this topic, but he says, he says, look, during your interviews with me and the clients, be ready to go deep with a bunch of E's topics and he gives like paid search organic search content marketing a whole list of things so he'll really have a conversation with the potential candidate he'll tell them everything everything okay so i just wanted to go through that because you know people are always talking about what makes a good ad what makes a good ad here's a guy who believes he writes the most fantastic job ads in the world and i wanted people to know what they are if they want to take a look at them themselves they go to ecommercejobs.com. Am I right about that, Harry? Yeah, go to Google, and you'll Google e-commerce jobs, and you'll see I'm ranked ahead of LinkedIn and CareerBuilder. And, I mean, this site has a 3% bounce rate, which is unheard of. It's, it's, not, it's not me being modest. It's working. I mean, this dog will hunt. We'll be contacted by 350 companies this year. We'll take 200 of those searches. It's just me and three other people working from home. This this dog hunts. I'm not here to sell the model. The model works. Okay, but We're, the thing is, this is what we do. But the thing is, you got to have what you believe is a fantastic job to offer on the market. You just said it can't be a buggy whip company, right? It it can't be a buggy whip company, right? You got to ask yourself about the hiring manager. Would you want your own son or daughter to work for the hiring manager? So there's like we have a no asshole rule. So I mean we're very selective about the people. How that do you we tell if with. they're assholes? How do you tell if they're assholes? You can you can you can't always tell. You cannot always tell. But we we can tell and we ask around. We're very selective about the people that we work with. Hold on. So you're talking to the, uh, the hiring manager. You're 10 minutes in. You say, well, you know what? I think you're a jerk. I'm not going to take this job. Is that what you do? We don't necessarily say that. But look, we, we're looking for businesses with favorable underlying economics. We're looking for reputable companies. We're looking for all the same stuff, um, you know, Barbara or any of the other trainers in the industry would say to, to look for. And they're all two fantastic trainers, and I'm not here to knock anything they do. Um, what, what we think we do probably differently and maybe better than a lot of existing players in the space is we think we do a really good job of marketing, and marketing always starts with a quality product. So you, you have to be rigid about – and if you – so here, here are a couple of ways you can tell – if you've got a hiring manager who's not cooperative. Number one, if they don't buy into the process. So if I start asking a bunch of questions about the size and scope of the market opportunity, whether or not they're creating demand versus capturing demand, the kinds of people they got on the team, if I start asking questions about the margins, the inventory availability, the merchandise productivity, and they're hemming and hawing about that, I can't represent them. You tell them that? What would you say to the guy? What would you say to him? I say I can't represent you. And he says, what? What do they say? A lot of times they'll open up. But, I mean, imagine going to a doctor, right? And, you know, doctor, my shoulder hurts. Fix my shoulder. And you say as the doctor, well, does it hurt when I do that? Is it your skin? Is it your circulation? Is it your muscle? Is it what, you know, and they say, I can't tell you. I'm not going to tell you. You can't treat them. Yeah, but you know what? I don't mean to compare myself to a doctor. Yes, you do. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, if you say that to some people, what are they going to say? Okay, I'll find another recruiter, big shot. Get out of here. Then that's cool with us. Okay. That works. Okay. See, here's the thing. It's, I'm, it's, I don't have an ego about it, but like, what you've got to understand is that we work in a very small, what's called self-referencing subculture. These people talk to each other. So it's a little like being a sports agent. So I'm one of the dominant recruiters in the shop.org and internet retailer top 500, right? So those are online retailers, and they all know each other. So if, if I do a search and I, and I get somebody who knows a bunch of the same people as I know, right, and I place them in a job working for somebody who's a butthead, with that, that kind of deal is box office poison for me. I'd rather not have had the fee. 
I know that's completely antithetical to what a lot of your listeners believe, and maybe they don't have the luxury of being as selective as I do because I'm self-employed. I don't have a boss who's sitting, you know, over my shoulder going, you have to make quota this month or whatever. I mean, we, we're we very rigid about the people that we do business with. Maybe okay. that sounds idealistic, but I can tell you that you could call it idealistic, but we're making real money with this model. It's This is not – this isn't like, hey, I, th- I got this theory. I think I'll just go trot out this theory and see if this – fuck that shit. It's working. Like, we're cashing the checks today. Did somebody play that music when you uh, dropped the uh, F-bomb? Okay, culture fit then. How do you spot it? Since you, you've told us you can spot a bad personality and you react immediately, what about culture fit? How do you spot that? Or how do you find out about the culture? You just started telling us a whole slew of questions, detailed, very detailed questions about marketing. Uh, Culture, is that important to you, yes or no? That's a little harder. What we tell our clients is, first of all, it's contingency, so they don't have to work with us, right? Um, They could go work with somebody else. But we tell clients we'll do our best to interview for culture. But for all intents and purposes, like I'm Stevie Wonder, right? I'm blind. I don't see anybody. I never leave my house, except to go whatever, wherever. So I I don't interview people by Skype. I do everything on the phone. And what I'm actually interviewing for is technical competence in e-commerce, and I'm looking for um, business orientation. Do they understand cost drivers? Do they understand revenue drivers? Are they financially literate? Do they understand the mechanics of strategy? What I will do is I'll let the client interview for culture. And there are some reasons, and there are some technical reasons, which I'm happy to share with you how and why I do that. Yeah. But, okay. So what what we find is there's an old joke in the recruiting business. I guess you guys have heard this, you know, a lot because you're recruiters and you pay a lot of attention to this space. I don't pay a lot of attention to this space. But A players hire A players and B players hire C players. You've heard that. Yep. Uh, I had had a candidate at Carnegie Mellon University a couple years ago explain to me that, like, he'd applied for this job, and I was managing his expectations that there probably was a chance that he wasn't going to get the role because he wasn't senior enough or whatever. And he said, Harry, I get it. He said, don't sweat it. I realized that statistically speaking, if I were the only candidate on the face of the earth who had applied for this job and there was nobody else who had applied for this job, there's only a 25% chance that I would get the job. And I said, what? How how do you get that number? And I thought it was like 50-50 or whatever. And he said, no, it's 25% because there's four outcomes to every candidacy. Outcome number one, I like them, they like me, I'm hired. Outcome number two, I like them, they don't like me, I'm not hired. Outcome number three, they like me, I don't like them, I'm not hired. Outcome number four, we don't like each other, I'm not hired. Now, what happens if I apply and somebody else applies? And I like them and they like me. Okay, but they like the other candidate, and he likes them back. Now, my 25% is 12.5%. Now, here's where it gets really scary. What if there are four people on the hiring committee, right? So in complex selling, there's four people on a purchasing committee. There's a technical buyer, a key influencer, an economic buyer, and an end user. For recruiting, it's usually like a hiring manager, a key influencer who's a CEO, CEO or board member or whatever. There's a CFO. There's an HR person who's like the economic buyer and an end user who's like a coworker, or direct reporter or whatever. If any of those people render a thumbs down, your candidacy is a bust. So statistically speaking, I mean, I could walk somebody through the math. I've been doing this for 10 years in my spare bedroom, so I've thought a lot about these numbers. 25% to the fourth power is 0.39%. Yeah, yeah. what's your point about culture? You were telling me something about culture 10 minutes ago, and, I, you know, uh, what's the point? You said you were going to prove something about why you don't, you know, ask people culture questions and you leave it for the company. How does everything you just told me, all these numbers, how does that relate to that? Well, the fact of the matter is you, there's, no, there's no guaranteeing that anybody's going to get through that process, especially when mathematically nobody's going to pay me a 20% fee 
for somebody I don't know what who's we're talking about. I don't know what we're talking no, no, about. No, no, and no, no, you know no, what? No, no. I got to tell you, I got to tell you what that guy told you about 25%, 12.5%. That's nonsense. When you talk to somebody on the phone, you know he or she is good, and you know there's a 90% chance that person's going to get the job. You know it, or you wouldn't present them. Okay? That's, that's, the that's truth. not true, though. But no, it isn't. It's and we're not going to argue about it. We're going to move on. No. No, you you have to understand, okay, if there's a B player on the hiring committee, and a lot of times there's a B player on the hiring committee, what you what the old adage, okay, A players hire A players. If I submit you know somebody you're who's an A me. player, you're killing me. You're the B killing player me. Doesn't want I don't want to argue about this now. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about client follow up? What do you ask? I got a bunch of questions off Jim Durbin's blog. Now, do you just ask the standard questions, like? What 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 do you what, what do you ask? I ask a lot of questions about their business. No, no, and I ask a lot of questions up, about the follow up. They interviewed your candidate. You're calling the client. What did you, to find out what they think? You know, I'll tell you what Jim says. He asked the client, "How did she answer this question?" And he'll tell the client this specific question that was very important. How did she do on that? You know, what examples did she give you? What questions did she ask? You know, what's her vision for the next six months? These are the questions he asked the client about the client's experience with the candidate. Do you ask those kind of questions? What do you do in a client follow-up? Okay, so I'll always debrief the candidate first, right? I don't care what the client says yet, right? So I'll always debrief the candidate first. So remember, these are super smart candidates I'm dealing with. And I'll ask questions like what kinds of questions did they ask? I'll ask do they know what they're doing? I'll ask, do they know what they need? I'll ask, if this were Shark Tank, would you invest $100,000 in them? I'll ask, uh, did I describe the role accurately? Well, this is a huge one, because what we see in e-commerce, at least, I don't know about other industries, but what we see is that the spec will often change after we launch the search. And one of the cool things about our model is that we don't go live with any job posting until the client has blessed it. So that Hills pet food thing that you were mentioning at the beginning of the call, like that went through legal, it went through PR, it went through marketing, it went through human resources, it went through layers and layers of the organization. So the day we launched that search, everybody agreed, yep, this is the deal, this is how we want to present it, this is us, go. Right? Now, if I if I ask the candidate, did I describe the role accurately, and they say no, it was like materially different, now I know that somehow the role has changed, that the, the spec has changed, and i got to go back and recalibrate with the client. And then my debrief with the client revolves around that. You'd be amazed Not- at... Okay, what about... Well, let me ask you a question. You, t- you go through all those different departments before you post the ad... Uh, how long does that take? We don't normally go through all those departments. It, Colgate is particularly anal retentive. Okay, so you're about misleading stuff. us. Okay, you're misleading no, us. No, 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 no. But I, I did say that Col- with Colgate, that took about 10 yeah, days. Okay, just Normally take a lead. No, no, days. let me lead you. Let me lead you. Let me lead you. Okay? So what if the, uh, what if the, the candidate says the job was different? Give me an example. Maybe you remember one. When you go back to the client, what do you say? Are you jerking me around, mister? I let you sign off on this, and now the guy's telling me that this isn't what you're looking for. Well, no. I mean, we're hard on the issue and soft on the people. I mean, a lot of times things just change. So like, for instance, I said that there can sometimes be three, four people on a hiring committee, and it could be that the CEO describes the problem one way and the HR person describes it another or whatever. We just need to get clarification. For e-commerce, it's like a blind man in the elephant thing. To somebody, it's a tail. To somebody else, it's a tree. To somebody else, it's okay, a way, so you know. Job, so the you just have really to get change. everybody. The job didn't really change. Okay, what other questions Sometimes do you ask? Sometimes it changes. Okay, let's say the job didn't change. What other questions do you ask the client when you follow up? Uh, again, it, it depends. I mean, we'll ask questions about uh, their channel mix. We'll ask questions about their brand, you know, the purpose, values, viewpoints, experiences. We'll ask no, no, questions no, no, about No, 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 no. Joe Blow is I'm your candidate. You send them out for an interview. After the interview, you talk to Joe Blow. Then you call the client, the hiring manager. What do you think of Joe? 
what do you what what questions do you ask in that conversation? Do I have to beg? I'll ask how they liked them. I'll ask if there are next steps. I'll ask how, how would you rate this candidate on a scale of one to ten? They'll usually say six or seven or whatever, and I'll say, okay, what three things would make it a ten? Are the economics of the candidate, you know, of his candidacy tenable, et cetera? I mean, we, it just it totally depends. Our thing is not it's not a scripted thing at all. It's a very organic type thing. Okay. So we like to we like to think of these interviews as like Charlie Rose like conversations that we have with people. We're not. Uh-huh. We don't. I'll, be, really, I'll tell you something. I'll tell luxury, you something. I'll have... tell you something. Charlie Rose probably asks the, mostly the same kind of questions over and over again, no matter who he's talking to, even if that's it's freewheeling. That's that's not true at all. Go watch Charlie Rose. I I encourage all my candidates to go watch Charlie. That's absolutely categorically false absolutely not true. Charlie has done his research and Jay-Z or Kissinger or whoever, they've done their research and they're there to intellectually surround a range of issues. That's what we do. We're the only, I mean, maybe other contingency recruiters do it. I know that's what retained recruiters do. Let me ask you another question. What if the candidate badmouths his current company? Now, people want to leave a company for a reason. They don't like something that's going on there. What if the candidate tells you, hey, you know what? My boss is a jerk. I don't like working for him. Some recruiters say that cuts. That's that's a total. They're immediately going to reject somebody who talks like that. What about you? Uh, it the answer is it it depends on how and why. We we tend not to work with candidates who do a whole lot of that because. Uh, we like to work with people who are positive outcome oriented. We think they run better businesses. So if somebody uh, hates their company and they're bad mouthing stuff, it's almost like they're putting the blame on the company. And sometimes that's acceptable within reason, but we like people who make their own luck. Okay. (laughs) You know what? Not everybody just wants to make a, a move up, make a move for a positive reason. Lots of people, for some reason, they don't like where they are. And yet, I can see based on what you just told me that people have to lie. They cannot tell the truth about that. There's some way they have That's to skew it. True. So That's okay. not true at all. No. It's look, you want to be charitable. This isn't recruiting advice. This is just life advice. You want to be charitable, right? Hard on the issue, soft on the people. Well, there there are always business reasons that that things didn't work out, and I would keep it with that. Not I'm working for an asshole. I've got to get out of here. You know it's true sometimes. You know? Okay. Of course, I've worked for assholes. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. You know, Harry, I got to come questions. back. I got to come back to another question. So now you've told us that one of the reasons you can manipulate your or control the relationship with the client so thoroughly, you can. You're just happy to walk away if they're not your type is that you've established a reputation. But if somebody is starting out and they, they you know, they're not the dominant player already in their field, how are they gonna do business? It's gonna be quite different, isn't it? They're not gonna get no. super companies. No, I think you you work with the best people that you can work with and you be the best person that you can be. That's it. I mean it's recruiting it's like welcome to the NFL. I mean, I I started out in this business like everybody else, you know, five fingers and a phone, and I was making whatever, 70 to 100 dials a day. You know, the guy that I worked with said, yeah, here's your trade directory. Start smiling and dialing. We break for lunch at noon. We're back in the desk at 1. They monitored the phone calls and the connect time. It was a galley slave ship, but it was great experience, and nobody knew me, but they could tell that, you know, I was smart and had a teachable point of view on stuff. So the the advice that I would give to your listeners, the four of them that are on this call probably, are you know, like read obsessively, have a small circle of competence that's very sharply defined around the edges. So know what what business you're going to be involved in and what business you're not going to be involved in. So like I bought e-commerce recruiter. That's that's it. That's what I do. It's like a priesthood or I'm like a blues musician or whatever, and that's the only kind of work that I do. And I'm an inch wide and I'm a mile deep in this space. And that's the only kind of work that I've ever done. Let me ask you another and question. It then. doesn't take uh, – uh, 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 I'll put a fine okay. point on this one thing in, in, yeah. in that 
we're all as recruiters blessed in the sense that if you work on searches at a high enough level and you actually can cold call your way into them because I did it in my first year in the business, every candidate that you work with is ultimately going to be a hiring manager and every hiring manager is ultimately going to be a candidate. So there's no such thing as a bad call. Every single call is an opportunity. I'm not saying that as a sales trainer because I don't train for sales. I'm just what one if, guy working on my, out of my house with a telephone. That's what all if you've I do. What if you've got a VP for your client? He's your client. He's hiring some senior marketing director, and he says, Harry, I want to move from here. Would you work with him? Yes, under certain circumstances. Here's how that works. Thank you for asking. Um, as contingency recruiters, this is one reason why we don't do retained. As a retained recruiter, there's a non-poach. As soon as money changes hands, you're the client. You, you're, you're actually not my client unless you hire somebody and you pay my bill, right? Yeah. Until money changes hands, we're just, you know, I'm working on spec. Yeah. And so if the client says, hey, my job sucks, I want to get out of here, then I will ask the, the client, do you want me to work with you as a recruiter or do you want my candidate? Because as soon as you hire my candidate and money changes hands, I can't steal you. But if you want to abort the search and you want to work with me as a candidate, you have that option. Think about it and get back to me. And would you uh, actually and we look at that. a search, a real search for, like, this guy, you don't have any jobs for him? Why would you give up a search? We only close probably 35 to 40% of the deals we work on. Why? So I'm not closing to, well... For the same reason everybody else probably only closes, you know, 25 to 30% of the searches. If somebody gets promoted from within, client goes in a different direction, they hire their own candidate off a monster, whatever. There's a million reasons. We, we don't close 200 searches a year. We close a lot, but, and there's only four of us, so we, we you know, we do okay. But, um, no, okay. there's a million reasons. Next question. Candidate stalls on the offer. The candidate gets an offer today, then he all of a sudden he says he needs time to evaluate the market. Have you ever had anything like that? Yes. What happened? Did you not pre-close them, or did you not say, look, is there anything that, if you got an offer coming up, is there anything that's going to stand between you and accepting it? Did you do all those things, and yet somehow yeah. still went awry? I mean, yeah, and it's like sometimes it's the spouse, I'm not going to put this on the, you know, the husbands or wives necessarily because a lot of our candidates are women, but uh, sometimes it's a spouse. I could tell you a bunch of stories about that. Sometimes I want to hear one. I want to hear one. I want to hear a story. Is it that they didn't tell the spouse and it's in another city? or No, spouse- here's, here's an example. Here, here's an example. So one time we were working with the VP of e-commerce for anthropology or something, big multi-channel retailer, and uh, – she was open to new opportunities, and we got our job offer. We got her. She got herself a job offer, you know, from Hot Topic in Los Angeles. And um, apparently her husband had told her all the way through the process, if you get a job offer making 200 and up or whatever, then we'll go. And uh, it, it turns out, actually, that he had no intention, and he just didn't think she could get the offer. And he owned a couple of gas stations in Philadelphia, and he had no intention of selling his gas stations so they could reload to Los Angeles where she had family. Did she get a divorce after I, that? No, they just stayed in Philly. Okay, but so is it always a relocation issue in that case? Is it always a relocation issue with the spouse? No, I mean, one time I had a candidate, uh, Kevin Strawbridge, you know, who just started uh, as president of the Motorcycle Superstore. He's a phenomenal guy, Kevin. If you're listening to this, it's, it's all good. Uh, and we're friends today. But Kevin has uh, like a master's in accounting for Texas A&M or something like that. He's a CPA. And there was a company, I think it was Sports Authority or something, he got – it was Foot Locker. Foot Locker that he uh, he got an offer as VP of e-commerce. And right after he got the offer, uh, they um, were acquired by some other big footwear company, and he crunched the numbers, and he didn't think the acquisition was a good idea. They'd never be able to metabolize the debt load, whatever. And he backed out because – he didn't – the deal changed materially for him. And yeah, we that's don't, not a spouse story. We don't story. blame him. Uh-huh. I'm no, surprised it's not a spouse story, but there's – Okay. Whatever. I can take, I mean, I can take the name out if you want. Okay, so no more spouse you, story. Okay. You, you don't can have take it out if you want, but 
Do you have a spouse story? It doesn't story? make any difference because this is all public record. Okay. Uh, spouse story. It doesn't involve yeah. relocation. It doesn't involve relocation. Um, Let me move yeah, on. Here's I'll, one. Okay. Here's one this week, right? Okay, so uh, I'm doing a CEO search right now for a company called T Fury, T E E F U R Y, $20 million t shirt business on the West Coast. Yeah, don't mention your client name or people's names. Don't mention people's names, okay? Do me a favor. Go ahead. Okay, well, you can zap them if you want. But it doesn't matter. This is all like – you can read about this search on my site by the end of the week, so it's all fine, right? We're very transparent over here. And we're not bad-mouthing anybody, so it's all good. Uh, so we put this candidate in play, and he's interviewing for the CEO role. And final analysis – they want to go to offer with the guy, but he can't make the commute work, and he's not in a position to relocate because his wife works for Snapchat. And she doesn't want to quit Snapchat because they're huge, and they could go public or get Sounds like another reload so, issue. Look, Jackie Clayton is complaining to me. She says, I'd love to start hearing original ideas, what innovative mm. recruiting methods are being used these days. Is your is your job ads, not they're not innovative or... Uh, Jackie, are you on the line? You could actually yell it at Harry if you're. The lines are all open. If you're on the line, you can you can you know take him to task. But I'll not I'll try. to yell at anybody. But I was just wondering because some of the things that he was saying about the e-commerce industry sounded pretty standard with all recruiting. You know, as far as people backing out of deals or um, the way communicating with some of the candidates or the job posting. I just didn't know if there was anything, you know. Like what? New or anything that's e-commerce specific. I'm asking. Well, maybe, maybe hey, this is Michael. I'm wondering, and, and it doesn't have to be e-commerce specific, but I see his massive job ad and yeah. Uh, yeah. very interesting the way he's doing that differently. Uh, I'm wondering... Harry, do you do anything different with regard to, or maybe not, how do you present a candidate? What are you presenting to the client? And although I'm on the corporate side, I could stand to learn how to perhaps present candidates internally a little different. Uh, okay, so that's a great question. Okay. We'll come back so, to Jackie's as well. Thank you, Jackie. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so... It's a blessing and a curse, truly, that I do e-commerce because e-commerce is a little bit different. Uh, at the end of the day, working with e-commerce candidates, you, you can tell if somebody's good or bad because the numbers go up. Is traffic up? Is it down? Is the conversion rate up? Is it down? Is the average order value up, down, sideways, whatever? You can tell. It's like working with baseball players or something. Uh, but there's a blessing there, right, in that we've gotten um, – if I were recruiting for another industry – I think what I would do is I would express the candidate's value proposition in terms of, like, how they can impact five things, okay? This is just me, right? So the five things would be, number one, growth. Do they know how to grow a business? Can they, are they good at selling old products to old customers, old products to new customers, new products to old customers, new products to new customers? That's how you grow a business, just for those four ways. Number two is efficiency. Do they know how to make the trains run on time? Do they have great processes, scalable, replicatable, resource-friendly, brand-accretive processes for whatever it is they do? Is the business they put together under your brand, could any idiot you know, run that business? Ideally, that's what you want. My, i got a friend who likes to say, if you hire somebody who has to be managed, you yourself were a bad hire. So that all starts with really great processes. So your candidate ideally should know something about efficiency and, and the benefits of a great process. The third thing gets a little esoteric, unless, of course, you're a senior executive, and then it's not esoteric at all. It's, it's a value discipline called capital optimization. Do they know how to optimize a company's capital structure? Now, there's people on your, the call who are rolling their eyes going, shit, what's this guy talking about? But if you're going to work at the director level and up, and make real money in the business, this is the language ultimately you're going to have to learn to speak. So capital optimization, can they use more debt, use cheaper debt? Do they understand how to invest the company's dollars in a way that they get a return on that, right? Can they prove it, right? So can they put no, together you, good what you're talking cases? about, What you're talking about here, though, is not, is not some kind of generic 
presentation of candidates. It's how to it's how to present directors. Essentially, that's what you're saying. No, right? no, absolutely not. No, no, I'm saying that I. And the, by the way, a lot of what I'm saying right now was taken from a book called Direct from Dell. So, like everybody at Dell knows how what they do every day brings a dollar in the door. So I think this is a big disconnect probably between, you know, like our philosophy at e-commerce recruiter and the philosophies of other people who may be on the call is that we look at everybody as a potential general manager, right? We, we totally do, right? And there's nothing pie in the sky about that either. If you read a book like Top Grading, this is the philosophy behind the top grading methodology. This is how Jack Welch, you know, turned GE into a money machine. With this, so I didn't invent any of this. Uh, okay, so let's see. Growth sounds kind of high end to me. It sounds high end to no, me. No, it's you, not. Yeah, uh, yes, it's it is. Totally. Let, hold on. He's this guy. Michael Cox is a smart guy. Okay, he's a, a director of recruiting in a, a 500 person corporation. It's a division of a much larger company. He's recruiting, I think, primarily salespeople. I don't know how he could use what you just said in his presentations. Michael, am I right or is Harry right? He's still there? Michael Cox? I think he hung up. Yeah, anybody... sorry, I was I was muted, sorry. No, he got pretty deep, but I, I was waiting to hear, you know, what what are you physically or, or, or electronically submitting to say to a potential client, you know, this is a candidate that I've got for you. It's I'm because I'm not a sales trainer, it's a, I'm at a disadvantage, so I don't have a little rap for any of this, but it all comes down to this one question that you can ask a candidate and then you can take this information back to your hiring manager. And that is you ask the candidate, step me through exactly how you bring a dollar in the door. You know what? If they got a programmer, I don't know how that's going to be the right question. Okay? And that's not the way they feel about it at Facebook. Okay, let's and go on. And that question, let's, by let's, the way, is the question that Lee Iacocca used to turn around Chrysler. He marched a bunch of pay grade fours and fives into a conference room one at a time and asked that question. And if they couldn't answer the question, they were fired. Okay. I don't know. I just got a feeling where you're over our heads. You're talking about a diff- in a different realm of not ordinary people. That's, that's sort of what I, I love listening to you. To, I, I do. But I just feel I don't know how people are going to apply this stuff. I want to come back to what uh, – <clears throat> what Jackie was saying. Jackie, I don't I don't understand really your question because, you know, recruiting is the same. No it, not everything's innovative. There's some some stuff is just standard. Uh you want to like what what yeah, are you looking I, for? I'm just, me, I mean we talk about it every week. That's all. Like I just want to know if there's anything well, in e-commerce it was always difficult for me to recruit for. When I was recruiting in Miami, we had to do office depot. We had to find e-commerce all the time. And I do think it's a language that I don't speak. And so I didn't know what's the thing to find in e-commerce and how do you sell against it? Uh, I, I, I think I understand the frustration. I mean, I, I understand where she and maybe some of your other listeners are. But it's a, here's the thing. One of the questions that we'll always ask in our project kickoff calls, that our clients, they're contractually obligated to have a 90-minute kickoff call with us about the opportunity. The last question that we'll ask is, at the end of 100 days, how will you know if this person is successful in the role? What five things specifically will they have accomplished at the end of 100 days? And That's so good. you could apply, you could, well, you could apply that to, you know, so let's say you have a programmer, somebody who's, I'm making this up, let's say they're a $50,000 a year programmer, right? And you interview them and you, you want to know, like, is this person going to be promotable? That's really, is the leader of the company. Like, this is how you get people to pay 20% of the candidate's first year base salary for them. You want them to understand that the 20% is actually an investment, right? And you're getting somebody who can lead others, right? They understand uh, how to grow people. They understand how to improve products. They understand how to improve a process for anything and everything they touch, that they're insatiably curious, that they're business-oriented, that they can lead, that they can be led. Now, even if this is just 
a 25-year-old person who's straight out of whatever, computer programming school, right? You're, you're still trying to make sure that it, on some level they have what we like to call game-changer DNA. As recruiters, that's really what we're selling, right? Because as a contingency recruiter, like my, can, my candidates can't just be a little bit better than the candidates the client's going to source for themselves, they you know can't what? Even really be I want to know if anybody better. on the line. I want to know if anybody on the line, Jackie, Michael, whoever else is here, if they agree with you that what you're selling is game changer DNA. Because I don't think so. Anybody agree with me, or are they agreeing with Harry? Game changer DNA. Go. Oh, somebody else comment. Anybody? I, I, yeah, I won't get my feelings hurt. I'm, I'm actually waiting for the feedback because I, I don't know. I don't work with well, recruiters I, no, I, a lot. I think he's just... definitely, um, you know, extremely successful, but maybe we're just not hearing exactly the nuts he's, and bolts. He's dealing with thoroughbreds. It sounds like he's dealing with thoroughbreds in, you know, the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness or something like that. And the rest of us are just ordinary quarter horses or something. I, I agree with you. I mean, like, how am I going to put that? I'm thinking, you know, like a DBA game changer or report writer, business analyst game changer. I Sometimes I just need a solid candidate. I'm not, I don't want to change the world. Yeah, that's what Jerry's placing, too. If Jerry was here, he'd tell you that he places ordinary guys in contract programming positions, often middle-aged people who know how to work with legacy uh, uh, systems, right? That doesn't sound like a game-changer, but he's making a lot of money. No, but he's extremely successful. I think the riches are in the niches. These guys are very focused on one specific niche, and they become a go-to person for that specific niche in a specific region, and, and that works very well. Okay. I'd Couple go in. Of, if okay. I was hiring in e-commerce, I know where I'd go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, a well, couple of quick questions. Harry, Harry, since yep. you're a media guy and you've got these generalizations about millennials and baby boomers, how important are videos? I mean, you did put that YouTube video in, uh, that fat cat uh uh, ad, and I got to tell you, I found it surprisingly compelling. I was surprised. It I felt so sorry for those fat dogs and cats. I wanted to help them. And uh, so, but how important are videos? Do you, and do you just use videos uh, that you find on YouTube? How often do you use them? I notice there are a lot of videos in your ads. Yeah, there are. So videos work. Um, you you will never see a video of me personally, although you could. I mean, you know. Whatever. He is. Um, I got to tell you something. He is good in a video. He used to take some sample videos. He was playing around with his flip video years ago. This guy is good on camera. He is a, and just like Jerry, who is also a musician. They're natural entertainers, and I think that's one of their strong points as recruiters. Go ahead about video if you want to say something else. Sure. Well, so again, the, our, our process involves it's a sort of a requirement you know that the clients get to bless it before it go live, goes live and so a lot of times they'll have a video we explain to them that video will improve response um it'll definitely improve like the bounce rate which google looks at i mean google these days again i don't want to beat a dead horse here but they look at page usefulness not necessarily page relevance this is a brand new thing with google so mobile friendliness of any web page, okay, the, and and a video is going to decrease your bounce rate. We get our videos from YouTube. Um, I'll I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and I'll bookmark funny videos. I'll bookmark whatever, and if I think I can just tie it in somehow, sometimes it's just a company video. So with the pet food company Colgate Palmolive subsidiary, they wanted that particular video, and I was like, no problem. But videos are good. Okay. Any final questions from the uh, peanut gallery for Harry? Well, my question wasn't answered, but... Go ahead. Okay. Now's your chance. I just wondered, closer. I mean, you know, with, with candidates, we have such a little bit of time to uh, get their attention, to reply to a text or pick up a phone, you know, pick up a phone call or reply to an email. How do you 
construct your subject so that they know what's in it for them? How do you get the hook out there? Um, well, the, the easiest way to to do that, to answer that question, is text yourself a link to one of our postings. And you'll but see I wouldn't how they click on it. a link because I'd be afraid to click on a link. So, I mean, on a subject line or something, what would you write? Well, we know the person's name, so we would start with the person's name, and then I would say, hi, this is harry.joiner at ecommercerecruiter.com. Um, here, you know, remember that any link that we have, it starts with the words ecommercejobs.com. So they can see, I, actually this is one of the reasons why we paid a bunch of money for the domains that we own, is that they're, they're credibilizing for us. But for you, still... but what's in it for them? I, what, that's what I, I, we're constantly struggling with that at Deloitte. What's in it for them to make them click on any message? I would say, um, I don't know, it, it, helps, it helps if they know something about you before you send a link, which maybe you're going to say now they don't know who you are. So I, I, I can't answer that. I honestly, I, I can't answer that. I mean, our Harry, our Harry, title. Harry, she's with Deloitte. It's got that's got a higher profile than ecommercejobs.com. How come that's not working for her? Can they see that you're from Deloitte, Kathy? Oh sure. yeah, no, I get I get a good response rate. I I was wondering what his response rate was, and and oh. how he gets it. I mean, because even at Deloitte, we get good response rates just because of the brand, but we have to make our subject line compelling. So and it's usually something about we want to hear about ourselves, like what makes us open up an, a, a message, and it's usually because there's something in it for us personally, right, when you open up an email or a message. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I'm, honest to gosh, I've, I've never had that problem. I mean, okay, what's your we, subject we line? Get... If you, you send emails, yes or no? Me? Yeah, your emails or does yeah, it just they, text? They go, they go out every day, and it's okay. It's what's, just, what's in the subject you know, line? What's typically in the subject says, line? Well, uh, here's one. It would say Philadelphia e-commerce jobs: colon Revzilla seeks director of e-commerce, and then the um, city, state, and zip code, so they can click through the zip code. It'll that zip code with followed by or zip code, city, and state will render as a clickable thing in iOS. So, but that's all it says. But I mean. I, you know, if they're interested, they'll click. If they're not interested, they won't click. If we're interested in talking to them, sometimes I'll follow up with a voicemail. I mean, we, you know, I do dial the phone. It's our model is not post and pray. Well, I'm not saying so it is. I was just wondering if there, you know, if there was any innovative ideas that you could share with that. Sounds like no, it's there's lots of articles. Yeah, it is. Okay. I mean, there's lots of articles out there how to, on how to write a great headline, but we, we tend not to be too salesy about it. Um, our, our process, frankly, is designed to, to help people self-select. I mean, they know whether or not they're interested in a director-level e-commerce job in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So they'll, they'll click, and usually they get, they'll thumb down on their smartphone, and they'll see the video. They'll usually watch the video first. And then they'll read the commentary, which is always in italics. And I, I think, in a, at least in our space, and again, this is all respectfully submitted. This is the only kind of work I do. People are so surprised that there's actually some level of analysis and thought that goes into the job posting that if they've never heard of us before, they're like shocked to see it and they read it. Just, And then they get pulled into it. Once they read one of our postings, they usually read others. Okay. Anything else? Last words? Closing words? Not last words. You're glad to be back? Hello, me? Yeah! I'm yes. very glad to be back. Okay. I'm very I'm glad, glad to be back. I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I guess I wish that um, what we do is maybe a, was maybe a bit more relatable, you know, to other types of recruiting. I don't, it maybe is it's relatable. Not, I don't we, just, we, no, we just have to talk you down next time to normal language. I know how to do it. It just takes a little thought. Jackie, thank you. Kathy Manis, thank you. Michael Cox, thank you. Harry Joyner, thank you!
Cause sometimes we should never been born at all. Carry on, carry on. If nothing really matters.